Welcome to Engage Your Tribe, a podcast about the art and science of audience engagement. I'm Jeremy Shearer, founder and CEO of Tribal Knowledge Podcasting, and my guest is Crystal Weiss, Director of Marketing at Question Pro, an online survey platform for gaining insight into customer experience and employee engagement. Crystal, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Jeremy. I'm excited to be here. You're my first podcast interview. Oh, well, congratulations. I am I know, honored I'm to be your, <laughs> your first. I'm excited. Yeah. Okay. So, well, let's just get right into it. Tell us a little bit about Question Pro, who you guys are and what you do. Yeah. So Question Pro was founded in 2002. We're privately owned and we've never taken any outside funding. So if you've worked in tech as long as I have, or you read the news at all, you know, that's a really big deal and something we're pretty proud of. From a technical standpoint, Question Pro is a software company. You know, we're, we build tools and products for market research or employee engagement, customer experience. And of course, what do all those things have in common? Surveys. <laughs> so at the core, we're a survey software. In execution, we're thousands of things, depending on what the customer needs. Awesome. Yeah. So now you have in your space, as I understand <laughs> it, because you told me, <laughs> the biggest competitor is Qualtrics. Yeah, or SurveyMonkey or Momentum or Zendesk, whatever they're called now. They just got acquired last week. <laughs> ah, okay. So there's, there's, it's a crowded space, yeah. and there are at least a handful of like pretty big players. Yes. And you guys have been around for a while, but you're still, like you said, privately funded. Yeah. Just not as big as those other, as those other companies. Nope. And they most likely have larger marketing teams, just bigger budgets, all that stuff. Yep. And yet here you guys are competing with them. And so, and, and one of the big challenges, right? You're all going after the same sales targets. And Correct. To get Pretty much. That, yeah. So, so when, so what's your strategy as the smaller kind of scrappier marketing team going up against the big guys? Like what's your, what's your strategy for out marketing them? So to speak. Yeah. I mean, it, one, it's a, such a fun challenge because I never want to be that person that's doing like that. Just, you know, we'll like cut your bill in half or like, you know, we're not that it's like, that's a really easy strategy. Not easy, but you know, it is a strategy. My strategy more is more authenticity, passion, and about 10% irreverence. So those are all fun vision statements, but in practice, B2B marketing is really just like elevates the buyer persona to something so sophisticated. And sometimes I think that's just not geared in reality. So what we try to do is remember that a B2B buyer is doom scrolling, just like the rest of us. They're on Instagram, they're on Twitter. And frankly, let's be honest, we all doom scroll LinkedIn some days too. (laughs) Like if you see what people like on LinkedIn, you're like, why did they like, like, oh, it was, like midnight and they're like oh I guess I'll just like scroll LinkedIn like everybody else so my goal is to get in front of those eyeballs in an unexpected way but without being overwhelming so you know how sometimes people say you want to make someone chuckle you don't want to make them laugh you want to be memorable enough that you leave a really like huh well that was surprising but not so much so that like they don't take you seriously and they think you're a little ridiculous so that's kind of our like, I don't know, vision, feel like statement, you know, I mean, it's very like, just think about something you want to do and then just like move it 10% to the kind of like outrageous side. couple of questions here. Number one, what is doom scrolling? 
Um, doom scrolling is when you're just like on your phone for hours and you forget what time it is and you're just like watching Twitter or like Instagram or you're going through the reels. TikTok's a great example of, you know, kind of like capitalizing on it. But Twitter is probably the original like doom scrolling where you're just kind of like scrolling to your death. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, everyone's done it, right? Everyone sits sure. on their phone and just so, just scrolls up as far as they can. And you cannot tell me somebody who's a B2B buyer does not do that on LinkedIn. Really? <laughs> I mean, they're, they're only human after all. Right. Right. So, okay. So, so you said 10% irreverent. Yeah. What is that? What's an example of that? Um, I mean, some of that is just saying like, not always calling out our competitors, but using our live shows to go to market a lot faster. So something we do do is as soon as LinkedIn released their live streaming, I probably applied for it like 15 times. I was like, we need to be on LinkedIn live streaming. I knew it was going to be that opportunity to interrupt people. And then we pair that kind of with like the ability to do market research so quickly. Um, so many people, you know, when you're like, oh, marketing statistics are made up, not mine. I can, I can literally field a question on my Slack integration I have and just ask the, you know, United States population over the age of 18 in these certain areas, what they feel about anything at any given time. It's actually how I picked my new mattress. And (laughs) I can take that and say, okay, today on this live show on LinkedIn, we're going to talk about this subject that just hit the news yesterday. Right. And we don't have to go through any of the barriers of stakeholder shareholders or a board of directors or, you know, we kind of get that opportunity to move so quickly on new on news, on trending topics. And if we can give kind of like a not a news jack, I call it news jacking sometimes where you take a topic and you kind of like field a question that's, you know, is going to be controversial. But as long as, you know, you're being somewhat politically correct, then why not use that to our advantage? Because then we can field and kind of lean into that without like necessarily like hurting our business, right? You know what I mean? It's like, Mm -hmm. I make the statistics. These aren't made up facts I found on the internet. I literally polled Americans. Mm -hmm. Um, And so taking kind of that opportunity to just look at the marketplace, know that we can move a lot faster and kind of maybe like ruffle some feathers along the way Enough that they like are like, oh, I see what they did there, but not so much that they're like, oh, I don't want to work. Okay. And so by virtue of being a smaller, more nimble company, it sounds to me like you guys can do this or you do do it. Whereas <laughs> a Qualtrix or one of the bigger companies with thousands of, of employees and all that, they're, they're, it's harder for them to do that kind of stuff just because yeah. of their size. Is that, mm-hmm. does that seem right? Oh, yeah. And I mean, and that's I have a lot of friends who do very more traditional enterprise marketing and, you know, their campaign marketing manager number two in a infrastructure that is just to get what to get something approved, to get something done takes weeks, if not months. If I want to if I wanted to do a live show, a brand new one, I could have it done in a week. Right. As long as, you know, like I could have it done tomorrow. I could just decide to do it. And we kind of have not only that. Have, you know, the we put in the reps to do it, frankly, and we have enough people now that kind of are like, oh, question pro. They're the ones that do all that kind of like quirky stuff. 
Okay, so that's a way of branding your branding mm-hmm. question pros kind of the quirkier company, a little bit of reverent, yeah. as you said, just 10% yeah. reverent. And do you find, does this appeal to like a certain subsection of that larger audience that all these companies are going after? Uh, like, is that part of the strategy that like we know there are some, you know, HR folks, employee experience folks mm-hmm. out there who are kind of looking for something different? Is that what you're going like? Have you discovered a subset of the audience that this really appeals to? Oh, yeah. I think that when you can bring true, valuable data to a conversation that gives it value there and not it's then they go, oh, you mean you did a study on the Great Resignation because we fielded questions to a thousand people and we can get on a podcast or a live show or clubhouse when that was a thing. And we can talk about that study that we fielded and, you know, why we may be poking fun at some, you know, we called it the great opportunity instead of the great resignation, because we know that people, maybe it is time for people to leave their jobs. And so when we can take kind of an alternative view on something, because we have the data to back it up, people say, oh, not only is this conversation valuable, it, you know, it may enlighten something I don't have. It may reinforce something that's not getting hit on in the news. And even if they don't use us, we're still adding valuable content to the space. And yeah. that's, you know, something that one can only sit through so many webinars on like what, how to do something, something in so-and-so platform or, you know, do industry standard kind of things. And you're like, that's great. But what I could Google this and find 20 answers to this. So how is your content or your marketing strategy bringing unique content to the field itself? And you're creating kind of value there. Yeah, I hear you. So now you mentioned live streaming and I know you guys do this in various ways. So, and, and if it feels to me like live streaming is, you know, you mentioned clubhouse, um, <laughs> which by the way, it's amazing how things come and go so quickly. You know, this right. was a really big deal. And now evidently it's like, not a big deal. <laughs> not, it's not a big deal. It yeah. had, um, <laughs> but, the, but this whole idea of live streaming has really caught on, you know, LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, everything. Yeah. What, what, where do you get value from the live stream as opposed to something that's pre-recorded? Well, going back to kind of our like value set, the authenticity, that's really where you get the value in live streaming because if you bring guests on particularly they're so much more candid in a live stream conversation because you kind of catch them off guard right they're not they're not in their comfort space you're not doing it we don't do slide decks when we do live streams you know you don't you don't necessarily practice it like there is a there's more space for unique content and the opportunity to be interruptible especially when people are commenting or adding their questions from the audience, it really gives a more authentic conversation and you get more, like, I would say better stories from real industry practitioners that they may or may not have been ready to tell. And so then you kind of get that, oh, so I know this company struggles with this or, you know, like this study they did didn't work and here's why. And you just get that more authentic experience. And that's why I love it. I try to not let our guys or my team pre-record stuff because I want those 
interactions with the guests to be super authentic. Yeah, you want that spontaneity. Mm -hmm. It's so fun. Like if you are in marketing and you don't love a little bit of chaos, you're probably in the wrong job. <laughs> well, especially if you're trying to be 10%, you know, a little uh, irreverent. Right. Like, like who doesn't that. love just uh, those moments, those like those glimpses of reality when you're trying to be so buttoned up. And I think that's where B2B often goes the wrong way is they, they think B2B buyers are these, you know, really buttoned up people. I'm like, they're not wearing Star Trek white shirts at home. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we create these personas for them and then we forget that they're just like us. They're just flesh and blood people. <laughs> it's like the celebrity, you know, where it's like celebrities are right. just like us. It's like right. B2B buyers are just like us. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be afraid of them. Right. So, right. So, so Crystal, what's your, what would be your advice for marketing teams kind of like yours that need to figure out how to compete against a larger, maybe more established competitor? Like what's the <laughs> first step? Oof. Um, make yourself uncomfortable. You know, think of something that you're like, wow, that would be really cool to do, but I don't know if we could do it. That's what you need to do. If you think that there is something that you're like, that could be really cool. And you're like, I don't know if I have the skills or the platform or, you know, da, 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 to do it, figure it out. You know, when we started live streaming, we did a bunch of like dry runs. We, I probably spent a couple of weeks just mapping out how we were going to do it. You know, and I put myself in there. Whenever we start a new initiative as the director of marketing, I'm leading the charge on it because I've got a proof of concept it. I want to make sure we're getting the bugs out. And then I usually, you know, hand it off to my team to kind of like roll with. And that's where it's doing stuff like this. This was not my comfort zone. I actually forced myself to even start doing like Instagram lives with my personal account so I could get more comfortable on camera and just like, chatting for periods of time. And that is really where I had to lean into something that I was like, I think this, I know this is going to bring value long-term who this is like, this could be a little scary. And so when you feel that uncomfortableness, just, you got to like lean into it. Uh, and some of our ideas flopped and that was okay. Like we did 51 live shows of some format in Q1 of 2021. And I was so tired <laughs> and, but some of those ideas flopped. Some of them we adjusted. Some of them we turned into a podcast or we've moved to, you know, a webinar series or, you know, like it's okay if something doesn't work. And that's what I would tell people now. It, like, especially if you're in a small team, hopefully the business is not depending on that one kind of weird marketing thing you're going to do. And that's where I feel really safe at Question Pro is our business isn't dependent on this like one live show I might do. You know, I don't have shareholders going to come down and be like, hey, I was like, saw this thing. And they're like, I don't like that. Or, you know, a board of directors, it's going to be like, what's Crystal up to today? It's, you know, like <laughs> find, a, find a lane where you can move kind of by yourself and are trusted and just drive all over it. It's just try shit and, and kind of have fun with it. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. I think that when you lose the fun of marketing, man, I'm, I would feel bad for those people. <laughs> I don't right. like, you know what I mean? And if you, I, that's actually a question I ask in interviews when I'm hiring is 
do you like marketing? Because you would be surprised how many people who work in marketing because they're a good copywriter or they're, you know, they somehow they got into it, but they don't find joy in it. I think you make a good point. And I can speak from personal experience because I used to work in marketing at a large company Mm -hmm. and it was, I did not enjoy it. It was not fun. And that's because it's because I think like myself, I think a lot of people who go into marketing are kind of creative or they, Mm -hmm. you know, like they're drawn to it because they're good at writing or they're good at producing or music or whatever. And marketing is kind of a way to actually have a job and and do some of those things. (laughs) Yeah. I have a degree in advertising. (laughs) But if you're in a situation where you're just kind of stifled or the leadership's afraid to take any chances. You can't do anything cool or anything that might fail. And it's yep. then it's like, yeah, then it's boring and that's yeah. no fun. If the business is so dependent on your marketing, like if your Q1, your Q goals or your revenue goals are so dependent on marketing, you should be a CRO or, so, you know, you should be in a different department. Yeah. <laughs> and that really is what I've seen is stifle marketing you know, over the years, I think, especially at startups, because it's so like, well, this one campaign could make us. And it's like, yeah, but it might not. And so, and then, or at the bigger companies, you just can't get anything done. Yeah. And so kind of being able to find those safe spaces, whether you're at a big company or have really honest conversations with your leadership at smaller companies that say, we need to do some experimenting and I need the space to do that. And those are hard conversations. And if you're a director of marketing, like I am, sometimes you've got to take a deep breath and say, I need to have this conversation with the C-levels. And you, even if I'm not comfortable doing it, it's something you've got to lean into because it is your job to lead your, like, lead your team, be an example, and just take the chances. And if they're not going to allow you to do that, you either need to ask why and learn from it or they probably don't care. You know what I mean? Like, they're like, oh, sure. Why aren't you, why aren't you already doing that? Is what my team, mm-hmm. what my C-levels always say. Well, that's cool. That makes it's your like, job fun. And you yeah. look like you're having fun. I do. I have a lot of fun. <laughs> and you know what I mean? But fun, it still comes with responsibility. And, sure. you know, all those, I think we put a lot, it doesn't mean there aren't hard days. And so, you know, as with like, you know, I mean, with all the recruiting and the great resignation and all the things that are happening in the world right now, as far as like job placements concerned, I feel like marketing is one of those positions that can be really volatile because sometimes you're doing a lot and sometimes you're doing nothing. Yeah. And so trying to make sure you find the like, am I actually unhappy or am I just stressed today kind of mm-hmm. balance has really been I think is an interesting struggle for people in marketing because we are such kind of like tumultuous humans. (laughs) Like the marketing highs and low can be super high and super low. There's not a lot of medium. Right. Well, you know, I think it's like you have to be able to take what you're doing seriously, but not take yourself too seriously. And, you know, know that, like you said, not everything you do is going to work, or at least it's not going to be the grand slam. We're going to make the whole company on this. Like, that's just a fantasy. (laughs) And and if you can, right, get to that space where you're kind of freed up, like, yeah, this matters. We want to do a good job, but we also want to try stuff and, you know, be a little bit bold. And even, I mean, I think it's true in most, in most endeavors, like sometimes the coolest things are mistakes. Yep. You start in one way and then like you, something gets screwed up or goes sideways, 
but it ends up in a place where you're like, wow, this is this is great. We never would have gotten here if not for this weird error. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, like you, I think you have to have space for that. Oh, yeah. some, sometimes that's where the best ideas come from. For sure. I totally agree with that. If you, I always tell my team, like, have the basics down. If you can, like, proper grammar, proper, you know, kind of like marketing 101s, yeah. then you've got room to run. And I think having those basics down is something sometimes we forget or we get too stuck in them or our confidence level is kind of like, well, we're, if we can't do it perfect or if we can't do it like right. the big companies, right? I, I can't have, you know, I can't spend $40,000, $50,000 on guests at conferences. I can't, you know, I can't do that. But that doesn't mean that we can't do what we're doing at excellence and above, you know, and kind of just like run full force up the wall and hope the wall moves. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, or, or bounce off the wall, get knocked on your ass and get back up, get back and up you know? And else, yeah. And so I think that there is so many times it's like, okay, well, what's the competitor doing or what are they doing? And you get stuck in that kind of comparison game and what that's what I hate is like when people not hate, that's a strong word. I dislike it. Uh, when people, Oh, what's their website look like? And I'm like, it doesn't matter what their right. website looks like. What does our website look like? Should we AB test? Should we data, you know, and mm-hmm. don't try and compare yourself to them because then you're going to just look just like them. You have to be right. something totally different. Right. That is really hard though, isn't it though? There's like, oh my goodness, they're the leading company and and they're doing this and ours is different and maybe we're wrong. I mean, it's so easy to fall into that trap. Oh yeah. It's, and I think when you talk about, you know, kind of what we've been talking about, like how do you work against the, you know, companies that you, other companies don't get fired for hiring, you know, the, Mm -hmm. the IVMs and the Qualtrics and the, you know, it's like nobody gets fired for hiring them. But, you know, if you hire a smaller company, that's a little more risky. And so how do we then say, well, you're not hiring us because we're the exact same. You're hiring us because we're different. Yeah. And that is where our marketing strategies of authenticity and that 10% irreverence really let us highlight those differences as strengths, not just as differences. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Well, I've had a lot of fun. I think you've had fun too. <laughs> of course. It's a great way to start a Monday. You're my only call today. So I'm feeling like I'm getting off easy. Yeah. And this was your first podcast interview. Ever. I know. I'm excited. How was it? Not, it's not too painful, right? No. I mean, I host these things all the time. So now yeah. I feel like I was like, oh no, don't, don't ask any questions. He's supposed <laughs> to ask you questions. <laughs> well, Crystal, I, I feel like we could just go on chatting all day <laughs> since this is your only call. But- <laughs> I'm sure you have a few other things to do, so I'll let you go. But thank you so much for your time. Really enjoyed our chat. Thank you so much, Jeremy. That's it for this episode of Engage Your Tribe. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. You know you want to. If you're a marketer or an internal communicator and you're interested in podcasting, we've got tons of free resources on the website at tribknowledge.com. That's T-R-I-B knowledge.com. Thanks for listening and staying engaged.